The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of We Got Next here on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Thanks for having us on once again this week. It is a big week for the Ultimate Fighting Championship, UFC 271, going down this Saturday in Houston, Texas. Our own Jose Youngs is in the Lone Star State right now to provide you all of your UFC 271 coverage. And, of course, we'll have plenty of coverage here on MMA fighting throughout the week. So stay tuned for that. We'll be talking about that card a little bit on this show. We'll also be talking about some of the action that took place this past weekend in the world of mixed martial arts, most notably in the UFC. We have some regional talents joining the program as well. Of course, the UFC was back in the apex. UFC Vegas 47. Sean Strickland was victorious in the main event against Jack Hermanson. Yeah, he might have been a little hard on himself, but at the end of the day, I think he was probably the appropriate amount of hard on himself because for a guy that wants to fight for a title, who has championship aspirations, who sort of says the things that he says, I mean, it was a fine performance. He went out there and won the fight. It was I thought he won all five rounds. One judge is just awful and scored it for Hermanson. I don't know what the hell fight he was watching. 49-46 is fine. I scored a 50-45 for, for Strickland, but good win. But again, when you're in these spots and you're fighting a guy like Jack Hermanson, who's very good and very tough, I don't know. I just thought you got to be a little more impressive, a little more dominant. He's going places at 185. There's no doubt about that. The UFC seems to really like him. It'll be interesting to see who he fights next. I want to see the Paulo Costa fight. That would be fantastic. They do Marvin Vittori fine. I know they're they got a pretty good relationship. They're buddies. I'm sure they would fight each other if the price is right. But I God, Sean Strickland versus Paulo Costa would just be absolutely ridiculous. Of course, the middleweight division is going to be fully on display this Saturday. Middleweight title on the line, Israel Adesanya defending against Robert Whitaker. I love that fight so much. It is flying under the radar. I don't know why the UFC isn't promoting these cards to their fullest. This, I don't know. Maybe they're just coming off of 2021 and 
feeling like the world is their oyster and they don't have to really go crazy promoting these cards. But I felt like 270 flew under the radar. I really feel like 271's flying under the radar. I feel like they're almost jumping ahead to 272, the Covington Mazadal card. But even then, that one's kind of flying under the radar. And then 273 starting to come together as well. The two title fights official in Jacksonville, as we first reported several weeks ago. And things are starting to come together. I just really wish the UFC would put a little more pop on the promotional push outside of the norm. Do something a little more exciting. This fight is so good. Adesanya versus Whitaker. Really intrigued to see how Whitaker looks this time around. I know his mental headspace is in a much better spot. I don't know if that translates into a championship win over a guy like Israel Adesanya, but I expect this fight to be much more competitive than the first fight was. So we'll see what happens. And who knows? Maybe Adesanya will will do what he did even better the second time around. I really love the fight. Derek Lewis versus Ty Tuivas is going to be crazy. The card's pretty solid. And excited to talk more about it throughout the week. But let's talk about this program. Let's run down the lineup. And then you're just going to hear me asking questions to the fighters moving forward. So we're going to wrap things up with Brian Battle, who I guess is now the reigning, defending, <laughs> undisputed Tough 29 middleweight champion defeated Treshawn Gore at UFC Vegas 47. Gritty performance, especially in that third round with that eye looking all sorts of nasty. But he gets the win. The actual Tough 29 finale goes down. So basically, he's won the title twice in a lot of people's eyes. So great win for Brian Battle. He's now 2-0 in the UFC. He retains his tough crown. We'll talk to him about that fight, moving forward, so forth and so on. We're going to talk to the brand new Cage Titans Bantamweight champion, Joe the Party Penafiel, who just who just won the title this past Saturday. Cage Titans 51 became the Bantamweight champion. The title was vacant for some reason. It was held by Jay Perrin, who has been a guest on the show even not that long ago, Jay is about to defend his CES Bantamweight title, but for a minute there, he was, Jay Perrin was the Bantamweight champion in both promotions. But for some reason, Jay Perrin no longer the Cage Titans champion. Now Joe Panafiel is the champion. After finishing Lionel Young in the fifth round, got it done. He's now 4-0 with Cage Titans since July of 2021. He's on a tear, and there's a lot of buzz behind this guy. And what's interesting is he comes from Orlando to fight in New England. And I'm curious as to why. Now, I will say this. His nickname is The Party. And I think his nickname, I think the moniker fits. Because we were supposed to talk on Monday. He was supposed to fly home Sunday. Then we were supposed to talk on Monday. He said, no, I'm actually flying home Monday now. And then we scheduled it for Tuesday. At 1 o'clock, he said, I missed many of my flights, so we're going to have to do this before. And I was like, well, we got to do it before you get on the plane. Otherwise, we're going to have to wait. So that's what happened. He's at Logan. We basically do the conversation 30 minutes before he's supposed to fly back to Orlando, Florida. So we're at the mercy of the time he's supposed to board the airplane. We got as much as we could out of it. It's a great conversation. Look forward to to talk to Joe Panafio a little bit more, but you'll hear that conversation coming up a little bit later on. How about Julian Arosa? What a night he had on Saturday. Gets a win. 
So he got his show money, his win money. He got 30% of Steven Peterson's purse. And he got a fight of the night. And since Steven Peterson missed weight, Julian Arosa got the entire $100,000 fight of the night bonus. And I think it's only fitting for a guy like that who his story, I've said this a million times, his story is flying under the radar in a big way. Not enough people are talking about the Julian Arosa story, and I think they should because it is well-deserved. What a fight. What a victory he had over Steven Peterson this past Saturday. So we'll talk to Julian Juicy J. Arosa about all that, where he goes from here, and much more. But let's kick things off with the man who's going to be competing this Saturday at UFC 271 on the early prelims. Now, when this fight was booked and we confirmed it and it was announced, if I told you in that report that this fight was going to happen on the early prelims, you probably wouldn't have believed me, but that's what's happening. And Alexander Hernandez getting ready to fight Hinata Moicano is not happy about that. Not happy at all. So let's check in with Alexander the Great Hernandez, who it is fight week. He, you tell he's trying to cut a little bit of weight. And uh, I'm glad we got a, a, a few minutes with him before he took off to Houston. So we'll take a short break. When we come back, we will talk to Alexander the Great Hernandez right here on We Got Next. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of the show, everybody. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, let us welcome back Alexander Hernandez to the show. He will compete this Saturday. UFC 271 in Houston, Texas, taking on Hinata Moicano, a fun one at 155. Alex, good to see you, sir. You know, it wouldn't be an interview of ours if a phone didn't fall or you're getting a massage or something, man. That was always something crazy. You almost caught me in the sauna. I just got out, so I was going to try to keep it unorthodox as possible. Yeah, we were gonna we were gonna hit bingo if that was the case. We would have yeah, done yeah. interviews in every way, shape, or form. But yeah, uh, the last time we spoke, it, I think it was like it was probably like three or four days after you knocked out Mike Breed in early October, and you were hoping to get back in there at least one more time in 2021. If something came up short notice. You told Jason House, get me in. You wanted to get back in there as quickly as possible. Not long after that conversation happens, we find out about this fight, but it's happening in February. So I'm curious what your thought process was like, because yeah, Moicano's a fun fight, a good name, but having to wait yeah. four months for it, was that a decision you had to ponder, sort of opponent versus time frame? Yeah, absolutely. Me and Mark are going back and forth on that because, I mean, we keep, we keep getting pushed on this delayed timeline, which is super frustrating. 
Uh, but the, but the opponent was great, you know, a great opportunity. And so, uh, you know, we thought about passing it just to try to step in on a shorter notice or something at the end of the year, just to get the volume more. Um, but after bouncing it back and forth with, uh, Jason house, we decided to, to take the fight in February, just get the security and, uh, and make that happen. So here we are, we're ready to go. Super excited. It's in Texas. So you get to go back home, man. And that, that? Yeah. And that, that's a beautiful thing too, man. Just being able to be in Houston, Texas. Uh, I'm stoked. So let, let me ask you this, but just based on what you just said about the frustrations about waiting with this fight in the division that you're in needing to work out quite a few things, does the activity even really matter that much right now? And what I mean by that is if you're going to ask for a quick turnaround fight in a month, month and a half, and you're viewed as sort of a bigger spot guy, right? Let's book him on a card four months out. Is that something you'd be more open to embracing now? Because if you're going to take four five, six months in between fights, why not take care of some annoyances, some injuries, some small tears, pain. Let's take this time and get as healthy as possible because if we're going to have to wait four five, six months, let's just take care of that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with this, this, uh, this next fight where people are asking, you know, what I want to do, you know, afterwards and, after I beat Moicano and um, for me, especially with these delays I'm getting, you know, I might, I might go and take this time to get some things cleaned up. Like you're saying, you know, maybe even go under the knife and, and get, get a surgery or two, I don't know. Uh, and then get back and fight at the end of the year, you know, just, just little things I've been dealing with the last few camps, you know, that, that um, I get through with, but, you know, maybe it'd be nice as we start to breach the top 15, top 10 again to uh, just to get cleaned up. So I'm thinking about that. And, Man, I'm fired the fuck up because of the amount of disrespect the UFC showing me on this car. We're going to wait four months, and I'm on the early fucking prelims. Uh, I, I mean, that, that just that, – that incites such a rage in me. So, so I'm, I'm coming to make a statement. I'm so fired up about that. I'm so pissed off, and, and I'm, I'm so motivated. So I'm, I'm really eager to make a statement. I, why are you so fired up by that? I mean, only because like some fighters some, placement matters and I get that, but at, yeah, at the see, same I'm token, in my, I'm in my state, I'm practically in my city. The only other guy there's Derek Lewis, you know, and rightfully so he's a co-main, but how, how the fuck did I get on the early, early prelims, you know, not even the prelims, you know, not the main card. Now I'm, it's, it's, it's my peers that are just like barely above me, you know, or, or even people that are statistically below that are above me. And so I'm, um, I'm frustrated and we're in Texas. So uh, I'm going to go out there, please the 15 people in audience, you know, get, the, <laughs> get, get, the, get those, get those 20 homies, just me and my, me and my 20 to 30 homies hyped. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take out my and, and make a statement and let them know not to, you know, not to discredit it or disrespect it like that. Again, I'm, I'm so fired up about it. They usually come out in, in droves in Houston, don't they? Don't they usually fill up pretty quickly? Maybe they will now so. because you're on the I card. Hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I really hope so. But your night ends a little earlier. That That's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. And I might just, you know, I might might take that W, high five a few peeps, and then just like flank the security, jump the rail, and then mob into the crowd because they stay on you. They try to they try to get you in and out as quick as possible. They don't let you hang out in the uh, in the audience to watch the fight. So I might have to pull an audible and, you know, hop a rail, get that front row seat or maybe somewhere in the back. So I'm, I'm hidden. And so, yeah, I mean, you seem a little fired up about this. Is this a nice little chip that you're carrying on your shoulder? It's not personal with the fighter, but it's th this whole thing that there's, there's what this chip yeah. falls is, is the placement on the card. 
yeah, man, it really is. It really is positive. I don't feel, uh, I mean, it, it, it's annoying, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily discouraged. I'm just, uh, I'm fueled. Yeah. I'm, I'm really fueled and I really want to, I, I really want to show who I am and, and because maybe I, I've done, I've done myself a disservice. So, uh, so I'm going to go out there and prove that. Yeah. And everything you're saying makes so much sense right now, because not just the, you know, the placement on the card and fighters try to find chips everywhere, but just what you said previously about just taking that time to your advantage, because I mean, especially at 155, you are in just a crazy division right now. We got big fights that need to play out. Connor's going to come back. He needs to figure out what he's going to do. So let these chips fall opens up the waters a little bit. So by the time you're ready to come back, Maybe we have a, a little more clarity yeah. in terms of this division. So you can use that time. You, and by the way, you, you haven't even reached your athletic prime yet. So I feel like the timing's perfect here. Yeah, it, mentally, uh, psychologically, physically, I feel like I'm, I keep getting better. I keep, I keep maturing and uh, coming into my own. Uh, and like you said, that's, that's been kind of a perpetual frustration since I've gotten in because I got in um, so high in the roster that it's just been this kind of delayed game because at the top, 15 it's always letting the chess pieces fall and it's kind of this political chess match so i've been on these like standoffs where, I, where i'm waiting and waiting and the opportunity for for fill-ins or quick turnovers hasn't come as rapidly and then again like i said doing myself a disservice of not building the momentum i need to get that kind of like bobby green streak where i'm like picking up fights every week you know so um you know a little bit of just where i've kind of fallen in the organization and then a little bit you know and then a lot but on my own back you know i need i need to get this streak going that's what i tend to do i'm like Donna. I feel like this is the type of matchup you should have gotten like five or six fights ago because you and I have talked about not really getting to grow up in the UFC. You get the Darius win. You're already fighting ranked guys, cowboy in your third fight. And it's just like, yeah. boom, right away. It's rank guy after rank guy after yeah. rank guy. So in a way, like it's almost like you're starting over because you got grits mocker. You got the tough fight with Moises, the breed and knockout. And now you get a veteran who's not ranked in a newest weight class who is still really tough, who has fought yeah. a who's who of guys. This is one of those. This is what it should have looked like kind of matchups when you were winning those first couple of fights. Is it not building up? Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. And, and Moicano, Moik, and that's the thing too. I mean, put some respect to my name, but shit, put him on Moicano's too. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic matchup. The guy was like top five at 145. He's been a lot of the who's who's uh, he's fought them all and he's doing well at 55 as well. I think his only loss came to possess. So it's like, man, this is a great, this is a great fight. So uh, I, I, I like, I like the progression of it. Like you said, it's a good, it's a, it's a, it's a touted challenge to keep on the streak on, but I feel like everything I'm going to do is going to play against his game. Every, every one of his um, twitches and defense responses are going to play into my office. It's going to play into my game. So I, I, I love it. I love it. I think that I'm uh, the way I move, the way I explode and the angles I hit are going to be just a terrible matchup for him. You guys over at Factory X are always doing these different kinds of things to evolve in between fights. And I was talking to your good buddy, Brandon Royval before his last fight. And yeah, one, of the things, one of the things he wanted to figure out was how can I use my chaos in a calculated way? So yeah. Mark Montoya would have him like walk around the gym, just like kind of walk in circles. And when Mark would tell him, hey, you're just about done, Brandon would sort of freak out a little bit and go faster and move quicker. And... Mark would be like, what are we doing? Why, why are you not being, what you're being chaotic again. We got to control that. So that was something yeah. he wanted to work on. What have these last three or four months been like for you? Is there something in particular that you've wanted to focus on heading into this fight? Yeah. You know, I've been, I've been showing like metrics of growth and, 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 
and like sections of development in the last three fights, right? Like that group smoker fight, I did a really great job trap setting and kind of fly, finding this like flow state. Um, the Moises um, kind of building this like volume and this cadence and this pressure. And then, and, and also great reaction. And then in the, uh, in the breeding, um, closing, you know, really closing the show and, and putting, putting the blend together that, that I was holding back before hitting the shots, takedowns and the striking, uh, back in, back in the clinch work and then finding that, that kill shot. So putting together like each one of these elements and, and finally, finally executing it as a whole. And that, that's what I feel like I'm doing now. Uh, when I'm moving, you know, whether in, in sparring or just in drills, I feel like uh, all that handwork that I was playing with is coming together. It's more purposeful. I'm not just doing like superfluous movements. You know, I'm kind of throwing out the extra shit. I'm trap setting. Uh, I'm blending really well. I, I don't. I don't think I'm the best at any one department. You know, like I'm not coming in here as a specialist. But I, I believe that I, I'm among the greatest blenders in the game. I just haven't exploited it. I haven't. I haven't been able to show it in my performances and that's something that i've really developed here is just the ability to perform better that's my inconsistencies you know my inconsistencies are a lack of performance you know a lack of professionalism in my performance so uh, i finally feel like a veteran i feel like a veteran up here in my mind and uh and i feel like i'm gonna be able to blend my performance and i i just made the decision that there's just no way i'm gonna let myself down here i mean i'm going to perform you know win lose or draw i'm performing you know? So it's the uh, the feeling of satis satisfaction more so than the win or the loss. It's just knowing that you left it all out yeah, there. Yeah. You do what you want to do. Go, yeah, I'm going to go in there as a complete version of myself, which I've, you, you know, I've, I've yet to kind of, I've, I feel good about what I've done before, but I haven't really shown this complete version. You know? I feel like that's what I'm going to be able to come this way. So what's the vision like in your mind with this fight? How do you see it all playing out? I'm sure you see yourself getting your hand raised and you want the feeling of satisfaction, but deep down when you think about the fight, I'm sure you're not thinking about, oh, he won, but I feel good about myself. I, I, I'm sure you're thinking about hand raised and how the fight might end. What's the constant vision in your mind? Like that, that Nick Diaz, uh, that Nate Diaz, you know, I'm going to pop, pop, hit him with some good shit, miss some of that bad shit and finish the fight one way or another. <laughs> open book, empty cup of water when I go in there, you know, ready to fill it up. So I'm Hell yeah. Oh, uh, before I let you go, and I appreciate you doing this so close to the fight. Josh, from getting a UFC contract, that's pretty badass, Man, right? Fuck yeah, big friend locking it down yesterday. Man, we had a great weekend. We've had a great year. Um, Brandon, Brandon started us off right in the UFC with a with a fantastic win. And like you said, it showed a I, I thought he showed a tremendous amount of growth and composure. And then uh, we had three three regional W's with guys that are all on the cusp of the UFC. And then of course Josh Frim got it. So we're we're doing good right now. We got great momentum going in uh, uh, this next week in February. I'm fighting. And uh, another brother of mine, Mark Delmaderos, is fighting in Houston also, regional. And, um, yeah, the block is hot right now at Factory X, man. <laughs> well, we look forward to seeing if you can uh, keep this team momentum rolling along inside the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. Alex, I appreciate the time, man. All the best. Safe travels. All the best with the weight cut, fight week, all that good stuff. And we'll see you in the cage on Saturday, my man. Later, Mike. Thanks, brother. Man. Thanks, man. Let us welcome back Julian Arosa to the program. What a Saturday night this man had. Was in an epic battle, probably the fight of the year to this point. He gets the win, got himself a win bonus. And then on top of that, because his opponent, Steven Peterson, missed weight, he got a 30% of his purse. And then 
because it was the fight of the night, he got the entire $100,000 bonus. So not a bad Saturday night at the office, Julian. How are you? Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was pretty unreal. Um, doing fantastic, obviously. Uh, you know, in my mind, I just wanted to get in there and get, my, get the win, get my hand raised, which was, uh, you know, that was the most important thing. But, you know, him missing weight started off even better because I knew I was going to get 30% of his purse or his show money. So that was just a cherry on top. Uh, and then, um, you know, my manager called me about, I don't know, maybe like two hours after the fight, probably about 20 minutes after the fights had uh, concluded. I knew he was calling me with only good news. And uh, my intuition told me that I got the fight of the night. And then it really, then it really dawned on me that I was going to make some money because uh, I knew he had missed weight and that um, I was going to get not only my $50,000, but his as well. There is some heat heading into this fight, obviously. And then the, the, the weight miss and everything like that outside of just thinking to yourself, okay, I'm probably going to get some extra money. What is your, th what were your thoughts? Like, how did you react to the fact that not only did he miss, but he missed by a pretty considerable amount? Well, so there's a little bit of a backstory. You know, I, I was looking to try to get a fight after I lost to Troy and, um, he had, he had called out Landwehr, and Landwehr got booked up. And I said, well, shit, man, maybe I'll message Steven Peterson and see if I can get this fight going. And uh, I messaged him and was polite about it and then even called him out on my Instagram. And he just kind of ignored me. He just didn't respond. And so I, I would kind of, like, chip away at him a little bit and, uh, you know, kind of uh, troll him a little bit. And, uh, you know, there was probably, like, five or six instances where I posted on things uh, that I know he probably seen but just didn't acknowledge me. Then I got the Jordan fight, fought him, and then I actually forgot about Peterson. And then uh, my manager called me, I would say, maybe like a month after uh, I fought Jordan and said, uh, I got the Peterson fight, and it would have been like, it was about four months prior to the fight. And so I was like, oh, shit, man. It's awesome. It was the fight I wanted. And, uh, and then out of nowhere, Peterson, you know, started posting things and talking about me a little bit more. I'm like, well, you didn't respond to me at all before we had the fight, but now you want to respond to me. So it was a bit, I don't know. I felt it was a bit disingenuous. I, I felt like he was only talking shit a little bit because he now had to fight. So, uh, uh, so I started chirping a little bit at him uh, even some more. Uh, he had posted, uh, he, on a story, uh, a food prep meal that, or a food prep sponsorship. And so I, had, and I had just been watching his fights. I watched the, his previous fight where he missed weight against, um, uh, Hooper, Chase Hooper. And so I was trolling him more and I responded on his uh, story and I said, Hey man, just don't miss weight. And, uh, and then he, and he finally responded. I had probably like six or seven messages in his DMS that he had not responded to. And he finally responded. He's like, Oh, you like to talk shit. Don't you? <laughs> I was all like, <laughs> yeah, I just, I just think that you're a cheater, man. You missed weight last fight. And, uh, and he kind of cheap shot uh, Hooper in the third, um, uh, and I didn't really notice until I watched the fight myself, but they went to go touch gloves in the third round and, and, uh, and Peterson kind of started swinging on him. And even the commentators had mentioned something about that. Uh, but I didn't know he missed weight until, you know, until I started watching his fights and, you know, about six weeks before the fight, that's when I had, had uh, kind of trolled him on his Instagram and told him that. And then, uh, I told my wife that I told him that. And, um, I was all like, what do you think the odds are that this dude shows up uh, off of weight and, She's like, there's no way he does. There's no way he shows up missing weight after you trolled him and he missed it last time. And I was all like, 
Yeah, you're probably right. And then sure enough, the only guy on the card to miss weight was Steven Peterson. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things that was like, it was almost comical to me. It was like, are you fucking joking me? <laughs> like, like I was talking shit to you about missing weight last fight and you're going to show up missing weight this fight. And so some people were asking me if I felt bad about him not getting his money and stuff. But it's like, I don't think he was, he didn't give a fuck about me fucking suffering while I was losing the last few pounds. Uh, and, and he wasn't really, he wasn't considering me when he showed up missing weight. He didn't give a fuck. Even after he missed weight and he officially missed weight on the scale, he was walking by to go do his, uh, his, his pre-fight physical. And he was mean mugging me. And, you know, it was like, are you joking me? Like the audacity you have to miss weight again after this whole situation and then start mean mugging me talking shit. And then even face offs was talking a little shit to me. And I'm like, bro, the only, only thing that you have to say to me is sorry. And thank you for taking the fight regardless. Cause I could have said, no, I could have, I, I showed up made weight and I would have got my show money without even having to fight if I wanted to, but I didn't, you know, that's not me. That's not how I built. I, you know, I was there made the weight. I've known about this fight for four months. I was so ready for it. I was just praying and hoping that the fight, was going to hold together. And even if he missed weight, I didn't care how much, how much weight he missed, but I was fighting him. And, uh, and they incentivized me with 30, 30%. And they could have probably incentivized me with a free Big Mac. I don't I mean, I would have, <laughs> I was so ready to fight Peterson. It was ridiculous. But, you know, even after all that animosity, uh, after the first round, uh, we definitely gained each other's respect. And, you know, you'll see us touch gloves in the, in, into the second round and into the third and, and after the fight see that there was a lot of respect there between us and even now we've re we've reached out to each other and um really smooth things over so uh it was a guy i thought i would never do that with uh and smooth things over like that but um you know he really earned my respect and i think i did the same with him and uh everything is all good now so uh it kind of worked out uh it worked out good obviously <laughs> better for me but yeah <laughs> What did um what, what did he say to you when you guys were facing off after the weigh-ins? Yeah, so when we so it was a little weird because like I, I figured for sure he was gonna say something to me, but then we get up there and about half the face-off time has gone and nothing is set. He's just kind of staring me down. I'm staring him down. So I automatically I, I, at that point I think there's nothing to be said. I was just like, all right, we're just been staring. It's gonna be kind of weird if he says something now. But sure enough, he he says, "Say something now to me, bitch," and I thought like. I was like, what? I was like, three pounds. Like, I was like, the only thing that could come to my mind, it was three pounds that he'd missed. So I was all like, bro, like, what are you talking about? Three pounds. And he's like, three pounds what? I was all like, what? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, you missed weight by three pounds, bro. I'm like, how can you beat me if you can't even beat the scale, bro? And uh, and he's like, well, we'll fucking see you tomorrow. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> and then he just walked off and I asked Sean if I, didn't, if I could just go the other way and not go around with him because I just didn't want any... I just don't want anything weird going on. I, all I wanted to do was, you know, get to the get to the fight. And I knew once we got to the fight, it would be all good. I just didn't want to um, jeopardize anything by getting pushed or pushing him or getting physical. I wasn't going to get physical. I even told my corner, my, my, my corner, George, I said, you know what, man? I really don't even care. Like, who knows? Maybe his grandmother died last weekend or maybe something's going on with him and that's why he missed weight and that's why he's so angry or whatever, like. Honestly, I don't know him from fucking a hole in the wall. So, like, if he wanted to shake hands, and if I walked up there after even all, all the stuff that was said and, and done, if he would have had his hand out, I would have sh shook it and been like, hey, man, it's all good. And, like, let's move fast and let's just go fight. So, like, all this trivial bullshit doesn't really bother me. The little details don't. But 
I could tell he was a bit uh, fired up and wanted to, you know, wanted to let me know how he felt. And so uh, it added to it a little bit, but it was like, it just didn't make sense. It was like, man, there's no, you really have no, no room to talk. Like the fact that you showed up missing weight after we, I'd already told you about it is just unbelievable, to, unbelievable to me. And the fact that he's made 135 before, I could never make 135. 45 is hard, is a hard cut for me. I have to do everything right. And, uh, and so that's why I don't feel bad about him missing weight. I don't feel bad about him missing out on money because, because that's the hardest part. The hardest part is being disciplined and getting those weight, get that weight down and showing up to the fight. Uh, and he lost that first battle and he, and it was a lack of discipline. And that's what happens in life. When you have a lack of discipline, you, you end up not getting paid what you need to get paid. You end up not getting the jobs you deserve and these kind of things. So, uh, uh, I think it just shows that, you know, his 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 lack of discipline and his lack of uh, priorities as well. So um, I don't feel sorry for him missing out on that money. You know, I earned it myself, and I, and I earned it by showing up, making weight, and doing my job. So we, we have these live streams before and after the cards. So after the card, I mean, everyone was obviously talking about the fight. And even before the card, everyone thought this fight was going to be a banger. I'm sure you saw it. Everyone was, was excited about it, and it obviously over-exceeded expectations, but – we had one commenter just comment and said, Julian Arosa should be the UFC 150 pound champion after that performance. Cause I feel <laughs> like, I, I mean, you, you fight, you find yourself in these like catch weight battles, whether you just jump in on short notice, it's always like right around 150 when it, when, when, when it's all said and done, they feel like you're the 150 pound champion. So, I, I mean, your stock continues to rise, man. And I say this every time you're on a card, the Julian Arosa story is the most under the radar story in MMA right now. You coming out of the UFC, the way that that second run went, winning on the regional scene and coming back and doing what you have done is unbelievable, man. Like, it's really unbelievable. Like, have you noticed your, I guess, popularity, the way people view you? Like, have you noticed, like, compared to like two years ago? I mean, it's got to be like night and day now, is it not? Yeah, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that I surround myself with everybody that I train with on a daily basis and uh, all my friends and my family. So they already know, like, so the people around me aren't surprised by these things. Like, they're like, like, man, it's about time this is happening. Like, holy shit. Like, like, I can't believe like it's, you know, it took so long or so many ups and downs and finally it's, it's happening for you. And, uh, but for sure, like other UFC guys that I, like, I run into, like, you know, uh, at the PI or like I'll run to, run run into like at, you know the gyms that I haven't really trained with some of those guys like it's really nice to like kind of get their feedback and, and hear what they got to say about it you know uh but you know for me like it's just it's been such an up and down situation that nothing surprises me anymore and I always kind of just go in there just just thinking that this could probably be my last time ever on tv so if it's gonna be my last time on tv I might as well go out with a bang. So like, like, and that's kind of what I was thinking of like halfway through that fight. Like the first round, if you wanted to know what my game plan was in that fight, the first one was perfect. Went to game plan. I was picking them apart. I felt like I was off, you know, coming off quicker with all my striking. I felt like I was pressuring him really well. I broke his nose or busted his nose up pretty bad in the first round. Looked like he was kind of fading. And I figured it was going to be inevitable that the round was going to, uh, the second round was going to create the finish. But his toughness and durability really surprised me. And, uh, but that's what I was thinking of about halfway through that fight. I was just like, you know what? He seems to be holding up pretty well. So I guess this is just a fight that's going to break out in an MMA match. So let's just do it. And, uh, 
And every every time he hit me and every time I hit him, and even in my mind I'm thinking, oh, shit, that was kind of sloppy. Like, I was thinking some things were sloppy and that some things weren't going towards the game plan. But I was thinking in my head, man, everybody's probably enjoying the fuck out of this fight. So if we can just keep this going, I don't really care who wins. We're both going to be winners at the end. So let's just do it. And that's it just kind of escalated more and more into that as the fight was going. And my attitude, I've always kind of been like a fuck it. Like, let's just let it happen, whatever happens. So that kind of fed into even more of my, you know, into my personality and my attitude anyway. So it was something that I enjoyed doing. But, yeah, it was just like literally just got war- got more progressive of just like letting things <laughs> go and become a little looser and a little bit sloppier as the fight was going on. But only because I could hear that the corners and the people in the, in the apex were just starting to freak out more and more. And I was like, that's all I really want. And I strive for is just for the fights like that. So it just got me more and more pumped up. It's so great. Like it's so crazy to think back to one of the first times we chatted, it was right before you got back in the UFC It's right before the cage sport fight. Yeah. Before yeah. Before getting back in the UFC. And you were telling me, I mean, I, I could not believe some of the things you were saying and i was just like this guy like i don't even know why he's fighting at this point you're just like you know i'm just gonna do this like my family's been calling me and telling me like i probably shouldn't do it but i'm just like listen you know don't give up on me yet like we'll go and we'll um, you know we'll see what happens and then you told me that the door like yeah jason house had told you that the door for a ufc return wasn't closed and i have to be honest with you like half of like part of me was like how is this even possible and then you just like uh, and every time you win it's just crazy. And I feel like everything's coming up Julian right now because the last couple of times we talked, you, you were coming off of finishes and you didn't get bonuses. And now you're getting like double bonus here. So I feel like everything is kind of working out for you right now. It's just crazy to think about. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I was talking to my wife and uh, someone was asking me about like all the interviews I've been doing. They've asked, you know, asked me about, did you think you were going to get a bonus? You think you were going to get fight of the night? Uh, like, How did you feel about it when you, you, know, you heard about it? And for me, it was like, I was just happy to get my fucking hand raised and, and, and just have a fight that everybody could love and enjoy. And because that's really what I do it for. I do it for the fans. I do it for everybody enjoying it. And I, I know that, you know, all my friends and family said they were, you know, about to have a heart attack. They were on the edge of the seat the whole time. They were worried for me. And so, like, I don't really like that part of it, but I do like the part that, you know, everybody was on the edge of the seat and they were excited the whole time. But uh, I was just happy to get my hand raised. There's been so many times I gave my hopes up on a bonus. Jordan, I thought I should have got a bonus. Nate Landwehr, I thought I was going to get a bonus. Like, those two fights, I was like, man, I missed out on bonuses when I thought maybe, you know, I was at least, you know, qualified for a bonus. And uh, and they didn't give me one on either one of those fights. And I was like, man, I felt like I was gypped. I felt like they would have at least given me one on one of them. It would have evened out. It would have been okay. But uh, I got zero on both those. And this time I got both of them. So it makes up for it. <laughs> and I was like, I was talking to my wife and I was like, it's all coming to fruition. Like it's all kind of coming around in circle. You know, it's all, it's all coming in full circle. You know, like, you know, you can sit there, man. I remember when I first got in the UFC, I was like, if I just fight like I do on regional shows, I'll be getting bonuses. I'll be fucking, I'll be, people will love me. This is going to go great. And then get, you know, and then I was one on one a long time ago. And this was after that. And I went 0-3, and, and I was like, are you joking me? Like, I haven't even been able to showcase anything. All I've been able to showcase is how to lose. And um, and and ever since that Sean Woodson fight up until now, it's been, like, it's been so, like, unbelievable for me because it's been it's, – it's just been so nice to be able to just showcase 
what I'm about. Like this, those fights are exactly what you'll see when I fought on the regional scene. People used to fucking love watching me fight on the regional show. Like they, they would drive two and a half, three hours to go watch me fight at Cageport because they knew it was going to be a fun night. They knew it was going to be a fantastic fight. And that's all I really care for for the UFC. When my name's on a card, I want people to be like, oh, I don't care. I don't give a fuck who the main event is. I'm watching Julian e. Rosa. Like, that guy's fucking, he's, he's coming to bang every time, and he's going to have a great fight. And so, like, finally, it's, I'm at the point where people are really recognizing that, especially, like, other fighters. And, uh, and, uh, and I get messages, you know, I get DMs from, you know, other UFC guys that are just like, oh, my God, that shit was crazy. Like, keep it up, Juicy. Like, it's, I'm glad to see you, you finally made it to where you, where, like, where you feel like you believe that you should be. And uh, and that's really what I do it for, you know. I, I just I really want to just I re- I want to be the guy that other UFC guys are like, holy shit, those guys really laid it on the line for him. And, he, and I couldn't do that without Peterson. If Peterson would have folded in the second round, I might have not got fight of the night, you know. I might have not got that. And so I'm glad that he he hung in there tough uh, for the three rounds, just like I did, and we uh, we were able to uh, have such an iconic fight like that. How much do you think fighting in the apex has sort of helped that mentality of I want to just kind of feel like I fought on the regional scene because it's not the glitz and glamour is kind of there, but it's not the same as if you're fighting in front of 15,000 people, like fighting on pay-per-views and stuff like that. Like, and you'll probably get there. And at this point you could probably just picture fighting at the apex and just go off of that. But at the same time, you know what I mean? Like how much do you think fighting at the apex has helped? Yeah. Yes. 100%. You know, I, I even had a conversation with my coach and it was like, it was like, I was telling him like, you know, like fighting's easy. Like if Peterson met me at my hotel room, me and him would fucking scrap it out and it would be no problem. Like, or if we fucking met, like in the, I was like, man, I wish he could just come into this warm up room and we could just fight right here. Like fighting's not the hard part. It's doing it right now under the lights in front of everybody. Do it now. Like that's the hard part. And so the apex, you know, obviously is almost like a middle stepping stone between you know, the regional scene and these big pay-per-views or like the MSG or, you know, going to Anaheim, some of these, the Staples Center and and the Honda Center and these places. Like if you can, uh, if you can really like make it happen at those places, uh, then, then you're unstoppable. And so for me, I think early on in my career, you know, that kind of, it kind of like gave me a little bit of that shock, you know, walking into some of these big places with all these fans, you know, can take a hold of, take a hold of you a little bit emotionally physically mentally and so uh doing the apex thing has been just amazing for me i i like how it's a little more intimate it's almost like we're just it's almost like we're just meeting up with like a rival dude he's got his coaches i got my coaches and we're just gonna fucking see who's the better guy and uh and it's almost like we just got like a group of friends in the audience because it's only like you know it's such a small amount of people and a lot of the people that are there are guys i train with a lot of vegas guys are getting tickets to go there so a lot of the guys in my gym are there hanging out and I look in the crowd and those are the guys I see. So I'm like, fuck, I feel like I'm at the gym. Plus, you know, a lot of my sparring I've been doing has been earlier than uh, like I'll go and spar at 2.30 extreme and they usually spar at 3.30. But when I'm sparring at 2.30 at the cage, when no one's really there, people are starting to file through to extreme to get ready for sparring. And so it's almost the same concept. I have those guys watching me spar my opponent in the cage uh, getting ready for these fights. And so when I go and fight and I see the same dudes hanging out in the, in the crowd, it kind of puts me back in that same situation. It kind of gets me, brings me back down to earth and it makes me realize that it's just a fucking fight. 
Yeah, even even talking to Calvin Cater after he beat Giga Chikadze, it was all like Cater fans who came from New England to Vegas, and he said it felt like he was fighting his fourth pro fight. It was just a hundred people, all his yep. fans, and they're all wearing his shirts, and they're all just screaming for him. And he felt like very little pressure. It was just I'm going to go in there and beat this dude, and my fans are going to be happy. And I feel like. <laughs> While some people want to fight in front of all those people and, and, and fight on a pay-per-view main card and stuff like that, like there is some definite value to fighting at that apex. No doubt about it, especially for you since you're in Vegas. So it's like a hometown fight for you every time. Well, and plus, I mean, I did uh, the ultimate fighter, had four right. fights in the ultimate fighter, did contenders and other fights. So that's five fights that I had at the apex before I ever fought the apex. That uh, And it wasn't necessarily at the apex. I was doing at the old um, – at the old uh, Ultimate Fighter house where they used to have the fights there, but in the old contenders place, but it's very similar. You know, it's small, it's more intimate. There's only a couple of bleachers worth of people there. So uh, having that experience helped me, you know, obviously transition into fighting in the Apex, and I like it like that. Uh, and I actually prefer it like that. And, and no matter what anybody says, like, oh, the fans get me pumped up or whatever, like, for sure, the the – the apex when there's less people there, it definitely takes a little bit of the weight off your shoulders. You're not walking out and, and seeing, you know, a hundred thousand people, you know, you're only seeing, you know, a couple hundred people. And it's, it, it just, it's definitely a, a toned down a bit more. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I think some people are kind of crazy and they, and they like that, but I feel like me being pretty cool, calm and collected, I would understand, I would see, you know, that difference. And I do see that difference. And I feel like even, for someone like me, it helps me out to not have as like a crazy crowd like uh, like the, like uh, like a regular venue has and just be uh, at the apex with a lot less people. So you said you and Steven are cool now. You, you you've yeah. talked, you've spoken. The beef is squashed. Who initiated that? Did you reach out to him or did he you, did he hit you up first? I think I well, you know, it, it really all happened uh, going to the, into the second round. Um, I told myself I wasn't going to touch gloves with him because, like I said, I watched the Hooper fight and it looked like he. I don't know if he was just had the adrenaline running and he was just in the fight mode, and but it looked like he kind of cheap shot him, or, or was trying to like give him a little cheap shot, and uh, and so I told myself before the fight I wasn't going to touch gloves with him, but uh, I looked at him, he looked at me. And he said something like, we fucking scrapping or something. Like, he had a smile on his face. And I was like, you know what? Like, this is what it's all about. Like, the whole missing weight, the whole animosity, that's whatever. Like, once you get to that point where you've, you've been punching each other in the face, you, there's that bond that you guys kind of have. And so, for me, it was like, fuck it, man. Like, I don't even care. Like, like if you want to touch gloves, that's okay. So, I put my hand up. He touched gloves both the second and the third round and we didn't like, I didn't like have to like defend myself from him trying to get, get crazy and throw anything cheap. Um, so I think he just, he, we both just had that mutual respect right then. And then after the fight, I talked to him for a little bit inside the cage and uh, we kind of squashed it then. Um, but uh, but I, I messaged him that night uh, 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 DMs on his Instagram. And I was like, Hey man, epic battle last, or epic battle. I'm just glad I was able to share the cage with you. And, and nothing but respect. And then uh, he sent me a message back, same, pretty similar. And uh, and then ever since then, you know, he, he, me and him have posted a couple of things on Instagram as well, uh, you know, including both of each other. And uh, it's been nothing but positive stuff. So uh, it's, I think it's clear. I think it's good to say now that everything's all good with me and Peterson. Um, and it was just more, you know, I think it was just 
you know, leading up to a fight, you know, people, you know, you, you have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder too. You want to get yourself in that mind space. And so I think maybe that was more of what it was. Cause like I said, I don't know him from a hole in the wall, you know, uh, Peterson could be a great guy. I just didn't really respect some of the things that he had said or done, um, as a fighter. And, um, but after that fight, you know, you earn the respect and you move on. And, and there's no reason for me to hold any animosity towards him or any resentment towards him. Um, you know, that only that's only detrimental to myself anyways in the long run. So, you know, uh, we share a cage. We have respect for each other. And let's move on. Where do we go from here? Because we host a matchmaking show on Sunday mornings. We get a lot of listener feedback. You are a very popular name. And pretty much there is no, there's no wrong answer with you because I mean, so many different ideas got thrown out. You, I mean, from Billy Q to Shane Burgos to rank guys to unranked guys, everything was on the table. So what kind of stands out to you on the street that you're on coming off of that crazy ass fight you just had? Yeah. You know, I, like I said, I want I want fights like that. Um, I want guys that are, you know, are going to be a fun fight, going to be like a fight of the night candidates and stuff. And, I think that's what's been lucky for me, too, is I haven't – also fighting at the Apex, I get on some of these cards that aren't like uh, – that that I will be the favorite for the fight of the night. It's like uh, a shitty uh, – so Billy Q is a really good friend of mine, and I probably want to fight him anyways. I, I think we have that mutual respect with each other because we're on the Ultimate Fighter, and we've stayed in touch pretty good, and, and we're always rooting for each other, and I don't want to stand in the way of him making money, and I'm sure he doesn't want to do the same to me. Um, but I feel so bad for Billy because I feel like he's gotten chipped on some uh, fight of the nights, uh, especially just because of like cards he was on, like him and Burgos, like, God damn, that fight was a fucking insane. Okay. But it was like, they fought right before Gaethje and fucking Chandler is like, I mean, how can you really like, how can you compare that stuff? I mean, it's just, it's so hard to really, even if, even if people arguably say that Shane Burgos and, and Billy Q had a better fight, just the names, like just the name of Chandler and, uh, uh, Gaethje's like, like you got to give it to those guys. And so like, I feel like he got jipped out a couple of times based on just cards he was on. So like, um, uh, I feel bad for him in that sense. And I was lucky enough that buddy at the apex with some of these fight nights where they don't have these crazy fucking cards put together where like, I have a good chance of being, you know, getting a performance or a fight of the night because just the card that I'm on versus some of these other guys. But, uh, for me, I just want fights like that, you know, um, uh, and I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about getting in the top 15, top 10, fighting for belts and stuff per se. I, in my own mind, I, uh, I, I, I feel more successful and more achieved and more content after a fight like I have with Peterson, because I'd rather have people be, you know, talking about my fight over the main event versus, uh, you know, talking talking about me getting a title fight or something, you know? So uh, those are the fights I'm looking for. I'm looking for fun guys. I think Alex Caceres would be a fun one, but he's booked up. So I don't know um, what he, but he fights a lot anyway. So who knows? Even after his fight, maybe he'll want to book it for later down the line. I think it'd be, I think at some time, me and Caceres would have a good fight. Um, uh, I know Dawadu fought the night I fought. And that's always, it's always, it's always like you're always keeping your eyes peeled with this if you have same weight classes on your on your on your card, especially guys that are like kind of hovering the same area of of you, you know. Uh, and I think me and Dawadu are pretty close in um in in our abilities and, and where we kind of stack up in in overall uh, featherweights. And so, and I'm not saying that me and him would have a super exciting fight by any means, but 
keep we fought on the same card, so it, it kind of makes sense when you see guys fight on the same card. They might fight, you know, they might schedule out, hey, you go take a break, I'll take a break, and then in a couple months, let's let's book something up. So, like, I could see maybe me and him fighting, um, uh, but he's not necessarily something I, someone I would uh, I would lobby to fight just because I don't think he's necessarily would bring that kind of dog fight out. I think he's a bit more technical and he wants to be a little bit more smart in his approach. I'm looking for dudes that just don't care about being smart. that just want to <laughs> and chuck, you know, and, and have those kind of fights. And that's, and that's ultimately why I chose Steven Peterson and been calling him out because I just knew that if me and him got in there, I knew he was tough, gritty, and durable. And he only had been finished one time in like almost 30 fights. So I'm like, fuck, this guy's going to be a fun one. I feel like I can outstrike him. Uh, but I feel like he could last. So I felt like it was going to be a long, grueling, like fun fight. And that's the whole reason why. And I even told him afterwards, I'm like, bro, I don't have anything personal against you. I just thought it'd be a fun fight. And so that's what I wanted. And obviously turned out to be one of the most epic fights uh, in a while. So um, those are what I'm looking for. Um, but usually, like I say, uh, February 5th was the last day of my life leading up to it. You know, that's the only thing I had on my mind. I wasn't, you know, I never looked past anybody. I look at my fight, try to get through it and with my hand raised. And then after that, we can talk about people. And uh, I'm suspended for 30 days, so I'm just going to hang out and enjoy myself. But within those 30 days, for sure, I'm going to try to find a couple of guys that uh, would be fun matchups like that. And I uh, talk to my manager and, and see if we can uh, iron some de- details out. Well, what a fun fight it was on Saturday, Julian. Unbelievable performance, unbelievable fight. That third round was insane. That second, the whole freaking fight was insane. And the $100,000 was well-deserved. And uh, like you said, I think it made up for the bonuses that you probably should have gotten in the other two fights. So full circle, everything worked out for you. The story continues on and I can't wait for the Julian Arosa 30 for 30 someday because it's going to be glorious, my man. Thank you very much for the time as always. Congratulations on the win and looking forward to seeing you back in there whenever the time comes, my man. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate you. It's always fun to be on your show. You obviously do your homework and, uh, and you're really good at commentating these things and asking good questions. So. I really appreciate you and what you do. And thanks for having me on again. All right. Let us say hello to the brand new Cage Titan Bantamweight champion, Joe Penafiel. For those listening who aren't familiar with Cage Titans, it is a very successful promotion up in New England, a promotion that has had a few fighters go through there on the way to the UFC, guys like Randy Costa. Peter Barrett, Rob Font, to name a few. But right now, a lot of buzz behind the party in the New England region. So I wanted to get him on here to learn more about him and recap his big win this past Saturday at Cage Titans 51. And he's at the airport right now. Joe, how are you, man? Hey, I'm having a great day. We're just sitting here at the airport about to fly out and go back home to Orlando and uh, enjoy some time with the kids and the family and uh, bask in the glory of the Cage Titans gods. That, that, that allowed me to win this 135 pound title this past weekend. So we, for those, most people don't know this, but we've been setting this chat up for a couple of days now. You were going to leave Sunday, I believe, then Monday, and now it's Tuesday as we record. So you're about to hit the hit the plane now. Did, did the post victory celebration, did the party, quote unquote, last a lot longer than anticipated? Yeah, it definitely did. Uh, I didn't want to go home so fast. Like, I'm supposed to work today, I think, at 3, but that's not going to happen. Um, they're going to have to wait till tomorrow, probably, to see me 
Um, yeah, we ended up missing my flight the first time. Well, the first time we wanted to push it back because we drank so much the night of the fight. We're like, you know what? Let's stay. Let's not leave right away at six in the morning. It's going to be a bad hangover. So we try to get a later flight and then flights got, uh, I don't know, filled really quick. So then the next day became the best appropriate time to leave. And then we missed that flight. So then we stayed at the airport hotel and now we're here. <laughs> uh, the fight so on Saturday. North End. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a good spot right there. Because you've been, I mean, you've become, yeah, I, I remember, I remember you posted a video on your Instagram the first time you fought for Cage Titans and you walked yeah, out yeah, and you said, yeah. everybody was saying F you to you. And you were like, I love you guys too. You were getting yeah. kind of booed out of the building, but now I feel yeah, like yeah. things have changed in, in such a big way for you. What do you attribute that to? Do you think fans just kind of just, just got on board and they, they understood who you are and they just kind of get to know you over these last four fights? I think, uh, humans in general gravitate towards towards uh towards real or like people that aren't fake but when you're trying to put on an act or put on a a fake type of show i think people in general sniff you out right away and they know what i bring to the table is authenticity uh passion and a lot of uh, a lot of heart and guts so i think that's why i relate to the new england crowd they're there to watch even if you're only there to watch me one time, like if it's if it was your first time, I think you leave with a memory to go talk about it at work and talk to your friends or your girlfriends at the salon. And like, you you know what I mean? They, they saw a hell of a night, uh, not just by me, but by the rest of the card, including all the amateurs. And uh, we put on a hell of a show. It was fun. You got the finish in the fifth round. You took on Lionel Young, who's a, a very game fighter. Unfortunately, he missed weight on Friday, but uh, the fight ended up going down. Did that make it a little bit sweeter going out there and finishing him late in the fight, knowing that, that he missed weight by probably what, five pounds he missed by. Yeah. Well, he came in so heavy. He was so, he was even heavier than that, but um, he was cutting so much weight. And I told him already, like, I didn't need to know what, if he was going to make weight or not. It was the, my task or my goal was to beat him. So no matter what he was going to weigh in that, I told him and I told Mike, the uh, Mr. Povere, the promoter, I told him, listen, it's going to happen. So just send me the money or the extra cash that he's going to have to float me if he misses weight. And if he doesn't, you know, God bless him. And we're going to fight anyways. I just wanted to get him out of the way so I can get my belt. And I know uh, getting the belt solidifies me now as the, as the champion. When you win four, when you have four fights in a row, like the way I did up here, um, some guys haven't fought since 2019 and they consider themselves the champion. But I think you have to be active. You have to be around and be in the top. And like you said, everyone's talking about me. I'm the I'm New England's new champ. And I assume you're talking about Jay Perrin, right? He was the champion for a little bit. He's now the CES champion. Pandemic, everything, just we couldn't seem to get him back in there. Do you know, is that the reason why this title was vacant? Is just because he hadn't defended it in a while? What, what was the deal? Because from what I understood... His plan was to still try to defend the title. I know he had one more fight on a contract with CES, which he's about to take part in next month. But then his plan was to go back and, and defend that title. Do you know why the belt was vacated? I'm not sure. I'll go with next question and no comment. Anytime we talk about that certain person, I just say next question. I'll okay. talk about crybabies and spilled milk. I'm not that type of person. And I don't like the bad mouth people. So him... He, you know, I don't know what's going on. He does. He has his own career path. 
I have my own journey and I'm just riding my wave. And my wave is just groovy. And you know, I think, like I said, I think you, I get a lot of love, but there's a lot of hate. You know, people will will come out of the woodwork and and you know steal your shine or whatever. I was, I think I was able to do a lot in the in the amount of time that I'm I've been up in New England, and that's and that's you know it's just it's just facts. You know, it is what it is. People love me, and I love them back too. It's not like uh, I really do connect with a lot of the people, the fans out here. I have special fans and um, their friends and family. They some are sponsors now. Um, man, it's it's amazing. So I love it. So I, I want to talk about the third round of this fight because it was a big round for you. It seemed like he won the first, you won the second, you got the takedown, stole some momentum. And then the third round, you almost finished the fight. But did the referee take a point from you between rounds? What happened? Yeah, the referee took a point from me, which is which is the most random thing. But he took a point from me, and um, I think it was because I was. Uh, he said I held the cage. I don't know when I did, but before that, I definitely held the cage at one point or two. <laughs> so I don't care. I was like, I kind of was like, you know what? We'll chop that up. You know, whatever. I should have. You know, I got caught a couple times. Whatever it was, I just didn't care, man. I was going there to destroy him. And I knew eventually um, I think I was going to get the finish. I was putting a lot of, a lot of heavy blows to him. They, they might have not seemed as heavy, but looking back at it, and I was looking at the fight. I was throwing my whole body into some of these, uh, these ground and pound positions. And you could tell Lionel's face was, was hurt after the fight as well. I mean, I, I really put a lot of weight in my whole body behind some of these shots. And um, he's just a really tough guy and durable and found a way to, to come back when he needed to and, and, and show signs of life until I had to drop some elbows. And, and that was it. The people's elbows for the people's champion. So after those people's elbows landed and the referee called the stop to the action, you're the champion now. What, what, what did that mean to you? What does it mean to, to call yourself the Cage Titans champion? It means a lot. You know, like when I first started, I had a really late start in my career. I started in my 30s just because I uh, I was doing other things with my life and I really didn't think MMA was going to provide anything for me spiritually, financially, or anything. But it uh, ended up taking me away from, uh, from a life of alcoholism and a life of um, gluttony. You know, I was overweight. There's a lot of stuff. So I love MMA and the title. I, like I said, like when I started this, uh, I, I would never envision myself being a, a main event or headlining anything or doing the things I do and, and it's really fun it's a really it's like a dream come true I always envisioned it some you know lately I've, I was I always used to envision it and wake up and be like man it'll be great to be a crown myself as the champ but now it's real and, and it feels great man it, it really feels great I'm gonna go back home to my gym and uh it's gonna be fun to party yeah the the, the party continues so You've been a, you've been a pro for what four years almost four years now. So yeah. you you mentioned sort of the genesis of MMA that you didn't think you'd you'd find what you needed out of it, but eventually you did, and you're finding it now. What got you in the gym for the first time? Like was it just like life at the time? Like I gotta I gotta do something, or you know what what eventually yeah. got you over that line to to feel like MMA was gonna provide what you needed? I think it was life. I was living at my parents' house. I was real young. I didn't have anything to do. 
I was drinking a lot and I could fight and I could wrestle. And it just kind of like fell on my lap. And I was coaching high school wrestling with some kids. And and um, I met this guy named Seth Petrozelli and he opened up the doors of his gym called the Jungle and or- the Jungle MMA in Orlando. Him and a guy named Mike Lee, he's a pioneer of Florida MMA. They opened the doors and that's where I was at for the first, for my amateur career mostly at the Jungle MMA with Seth Petrozelli. He's well known for uh, the Kimbo Slice fight he had. And... Find pride, UFC, he's a cool, awesome guy. And then from just looking at topology and stuff, it was probably around a two and a half year break you took as an amateur between 2015 and 2018, but then you came back and now you've just been fighting two, three, four times a year. Now you get five fights in the last 10 months and you're just running away with this thing. What led you to taking some time off and what got you back? It was my kids and everything and a lot of peer pressure from family members and stuff trying to burst my bubble. And I really thought I was like that if I give up MMA, I would have been able to um, further myself financially if I focus on my, on my other career. But I ended up, like I said, seesawing on me and I ended up uh, having other problems emotionally and mentally from all the, from not being happy. I think and just working, um, late nights and not enjoying my job and not getting paid much. So it was hard, you know, I was doing stuff for the money and I wasn't doing it for love. Like I, obviously I get paid for these fights and I get paid handsomely by, by Mr. Povert. But, um, I, uh, I do this for the love more than anything of competition and proving myself to be the best and one of the best. But listen, I got to leave because I got to catch my flight in five minutes. They're, they're about to call the boarding guys. So, You got to let me know what's up. Talk to me. We got five minutes. I got five minutes. All right. So, yeah. So what's the end game here? What's the end game? Are you looking to get to the UFC Bellator PFL? One of these big organizations you're getting paid handsomely by Mr. Polver. Are you happy just fighting in New England at this point? Like what, what, where does this go in your, in your eyes? I'm an idiot savant. And I really like this guy, this Greek guy. There's this guy named Diogenes. He's like this old philosopher where he was like known to be a drunk and crazy person. And he would like bathe naked in the middle of the town square. But kings and stuff would would stop by and like kind of be like enamored by him because they were like, yo, this guy could do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. He lives an awesome life. He gets to have sex. You know what I mean? No, but um, but yeah, I, I feel like the next thing for me is the the UFC, Bellator, 1FC, whoever wants to call, like PFL, I'd love to do a one-night tournament where I could fight everybody. I'd fight anybody and anybody at 135. Uh, 125, I think I could still make, but I really don't want to cut down, so I'm going to stop saying that. I don't want to pick on the 25ers, and I would. I would destroy 25ers. Um, But, yeah, I haven't made that weight since 2020 when I won my last championship belt for Atlas fights in Mississippi and Biloxi. So, um, so yeah, I think the best thing for me is going somewhere big, but until that happens, I'm not going to have anything on my mind except for destroying whoever's in front of me. And that's going to be in the cage Titans uh, cage. And that's where I'll be at for now. I'll be defending this bell every weekend. If I really had to, if they gave me an opportunity to. <laughs> so you're at, you're at fusion Excel, right? That's, that's your gym. Yeah. Yeah, so good Phil night Rowe, for Fusion, Hannah right? Goldie, everybody. Yeah. Phil Rowe gets Phil a gets a win night. right before you got your win. It was good. Is that bump yeah. box you brought to the press conference? Is that a Phil Rowe special? Yeah, this is a, a special edition 
You can get it at the Florida Mall. If you're ever visiting, come check out Phil Rose's store at Bump Box Orlando at the Florida Mall, the loudest Bluetooth speakers. The commission in, 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 the, in Massachusetts even shut me down. They told me to shut down the boom box in the, in the locker room. I'm not sure why. They're, they're party poopers, I guess. But who does it, who's not allowed to listen to loud music in their locker room? Like the NFL, you know, any other league, sports league, you're, you're going out there to perform. You can do whatever you want, you know, Guns N' Roses style. But it is what it is. But listen, I got to catch this flight. All I got to go. All good, my man. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. I love you, brother. All right, let us say hello to Brian Battle, the Tough 29 champ at 185 pounds. And I guess he successfully defended that title this past Saturday at UFC Vegas 47. Either way, great win, great third round, especially for Brian Battle against Trayshawn Gorn. He joins us right now on the show for the first time. Brian, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show today. Absolutely. So congratulations on the win. I'm looking at it right now. So how is the eye? Because that thing was, I mean, it looks way better than it did on Saturday. No, I mean, it, the eye was always cosmetic. You know what I'm saying? Like it never, like I didn't even feel when it got hit. You know what I'm saying? Um, like my, my foot hurt really bad. My elbow hurt really bad, but, um, yeah, no, the eye was just, it was always, like, it was annoying, like, when it swelled up, obviously, I could tell that I couldn't see after my eye, and I was like, I knew that it wasn't a good look, but it was never something where I, it was bothering me, you know what I'm saying? So, could you, I mean, could you see at all out of the eye, or was that thing just, were you basically a one-eyed fighter in the in the third round? Uh, in the third round, I fought. I could see out of it, but it wasn't worth the energy to like look out of it because I had to like really like try to open my eyes. So uh, I basically just fought with uh, my one eye that round. At least I think so. I don't know. My adrenaline was kicking. I might have been looking with both eyes. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, uh, you know, that's by the third round, you know what I'm saying? You, you kind of got a vibe for what your person's going to do anyway. So, you know. Uh, you know, vision's always important, but, you know, by the third time, third round, you know, you can kind of get away with a couple of things. Yeah, especially with what was at stake and, and how you approach the fight. So I'm curious how vindicated you feel now a few days later, because like you said, after the fights, some folks, the tough crowd MMA fans especially, they basically crowned you like the interim tough champion, which was silly because you went through that whole experience. It's not your fault that Trayshawn got injured. You got the fight that they offered you. You won. You got the damn trophy. You enter the fight as the octo- as the underdog and come out with the win. Like, how vindicated do you feel now? How vindicating was that win for you on Saturday? Uh, man, dude, I tell you what, it, it felt great, but um, it, it it was something where, you know, the uh, immediate feeling of satisfaction, you know, uh, it, you know it doesn't last very long because, you know, there's still a lot of things uh, there was still a lot of things I left on the table with that performance. You know, I could have did a lot better. So, um, you know, uh, in the back of my head, you know, I just know the next person I'm fighting is going to be tougher than Trey. So it's just, you know, we got to get back into the, get back into the gym, get back training, get back uh, uh, improving so that we're ready for whoever's next. Like what, like what stood out that, that you needed to do better? Um, I, I think, uh, making sure that my hands always come back to my face. That was definitely, I, I was doing well with that for the most part, but there was definitely uh, a couple of times where I got a little careless. That was one of those times where uh, he landed one of those clean hooks 
uh, was definitely one of those situations. Um, also, um, uh, I think in the third round, I could have let my hands go a little bit. You know, I, I was very happy with the change of pace going with the wrestling, but then maybe, you know, recognizing uh, that, you know, there was an opportunity to go back to, you know, being just strike heavy on them. So, uh, you know, just certain things, you know, things I noticed that I could have done better uh, and that I'll be looking to do better in the next fight. Have you, have you gone back and watched it a couple of times since Saturday? Oh, absolutely. I mean, me and all my coaches and my teammate, we watched it that night. You know, as soon as the event was over, we got on the ESPN Plus app and we're all watching it and uh, looking at different things, you know, uh, that I could have did better. You know what I'm saying? You know, obviously we looked at the things that I did well. Uh, you know, we were happy with the performance overall, but there's definitely uh, things where, you know, we can go back to the lab and, you know, make improvements. You know what I'm saying? So how, how would you grade the performance after watching it back? Uh, I would grade that performance uh, a solid B plus. I mean, I don't think a performance can be an A unless there's a finish. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, it was a B plus. I felt very strongly that I, I won the first round convincingly. I felt like I, I won the third round. I could have won the third round a little bit more convincingly, but he didn't really do too much in the third round. Uh, and, you know, the second round, I should have won the second round. You know what I'm saying? I gave that round away. But, um, you know, like I said, it was it was definitely a, it, it was a good performance. I'm happy that I got the W, but uh, I'm also happy that I got the W and there's a lot to learn after taking that, winning that fight. See, that, that, that was a, a positive, honest answer right there. Because every time you ask a fighter how they grade their performance, it's always like a C minus or, you know, it's to, uh, to hear you say a B plus, that's very refreshing, Brian, because not, not a lot of you guys and gals out there give, each, give yourselves enough credit in this sport. And this is the most difficult sport in the world. So I appreciate that very much. Listen, man, that was a hard, you know what I'm saying? I was, I was working out there, so I'm not going to give myself anything less than, you know, uh, you know, at least, you know, uh, an upper, an upper, you know, middle, middle of the, the road grade, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to trash on myself too hard. I did go out there and win the damn fight, so. Shit. Things got a little heated in the build to the fight. Things got heated in the fight. There was some chatter between rounds, some chatter after horn sounded. What were you guys saying to each other? in that octagon in those moments, if you don't mind me asking. Well, uh, I know at the end of the first round, he uh, had uh, kind of landed a nice punch and, um, you know, he was saying that he was going to find me because, you know, we had a hard time, you know, getting to me in the first round. So he was like, hey, I'm going to find you. And I told him, I told him, uh, I was like, you landed one punch, one shot that whole round and it didn't even hurt. That's what I said to him in between the rounds. and so, you know, that's more or less, you know, when me and Trey are talking to it, there's not a whole lot of sophistication going on. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of like two, two guys like playing 2K or something, talking junk over like the internet. You know what I'm saying? There's no, like we're, we're, uh, <laughs> we're like a, a Call of Duty lobby. You know what I'm saying? And me and Trey are talking junk to each other, you know? How much of a, of a relief is it to kind of move on from this whole thing. Almost like you, you could almost like move on from the show altogether, the whole thing. And you could be Brian battle, the UFC middleweight and not Brian battle, the dude from the ultimate fighter. You know what I mean? Like that'll still, you'll still be sort of attached to that, 
but now I feel like you could put the show behind you and you can, you can take steps forward as a UFC fighter. Do you, do you feel that right now? Do you feel a little bit of that weight lifted off your shoulders? Uh, I tell you, especially I was really trying to downplay it and I was trying to ignore it, but uh, there was a whole lot of pressure going into this fight with Trey. Uh, just like you said, with the, the vindication and, you know, the validation and whatnot, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll always be intrinsically like involved with the Ultimate Fighter. You know, I have no desire not to be. You know what I'm saying? My time on Tough was amazing. You know what I'm saying? It changed my life. Um, and so I'm not ready to necessarily put it behind me, but I'm ready to build on top of it. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready to uh, start adding to those accolades and start becoming, uh, you know, like I always want people to remember that I was the Ultimate Fighter winner, but I want them to remember me for doing more things than winning the Ultimate Fighter. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, I'm not, I'm not ready to, you know, pretend like it never happened, but I'm ready to move on and chase other accomplishments. Right. Did, um, has Trey, Treshawn reached out to you since the fight ended? Because a lot of people noted on social media, there was no handshake. There was no congratulations. None of that that you see in typical. I know there was some heat on, on some meat on the bone here between you two guys. You guys have the history of being on the show, but any, anything since Saturday? Uh, no, I mean, you know, he, he shot me a message, you know what I'm saying? We're pretty cordial. Um, uh, you know, uh, he wants to have a rematch. So, you know, maybe, maybe one day down the line, we'll have a rematch. Uh, you know, uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, now if Trey, 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 Trey is Trey, you know what I'm saying? But there's no beef right now. You know what I'm saying? There's no, I don't think he's wasting any energy thinking. He might be wasting energy thinking about me because he's mad about the fight. But uh, on my end, you know, uh, I'm just enjoying time with my wife, my nephew, my baby. You know what I'm saying? Uh, ready to ready for the next challenge. You know what I mean? Was that your first fight as a dad? That was my first fight as a dad. That was pretty crazy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it it definitely adds a little bit to when you're fighting and you got like a little dude that you know you got to go back and see afterwards. I mean, granted, he's a baby, so he doesn't really know what's going on, but you know, <laughs> it's amazing. Like it's almost in a, in a weird way, you and Trayshawn are kind of like kindred spirits because he just had a baby too. He had a baby while he was on the, the, the show. And, you know, I think that was his, I, would, I mean, he had fights, his baby was born while he was on the show fighting, but this is your first fight as a dad. So there, there's, there's some similarities between the two of you guys in, in a weird you know, kind of a we're, apocalyptic, you know, space, space way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. We're like Batman and the Joker. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, yeah, we're like one of those uh, uh, forces, you know what I'm saying? Very similar at all, but there's a lot of similarities at the same time. Yeah, no, it's, it's weird, you know. Uh, you know. It wouldn't surprise me if we ended up fighting each other again in the future. You know what I'm saying? I think Trey's going to, uh, really learn from this. And I think he's going to really, uh, you know, start impressing people in the future. You know what I mean? So, you know, maybe down the road, we do get to run it back. I think that'd be uh, an interesting storyline, but yeah, for right now, like you said, I'm just enjoying life, ready to move on to the next chapter, ready to fight a bona fide UFC fighter. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I love how you brought the trophy with you. I thought that was a brilliant move. Why, why did you feel the need to do that? Uh, I don't know if this person is going to want credit for this, but I got to give credit where credit's due. Um, Ricky Tercios actually gave me that idea. Because, uh, you know, he was reading the comments, and I FaceTimed him, 
And, you know, Ricky was talking like, you know, how Ricky talked. He was like, he was like man, it was so crazy because I was thinking about you today. And it was crazy because I was thinking about you today. And now we're on the FaceTime together. <laughs> and, um, and he was, he was like, he was like, he was like, I got this crazy idea. He was like, can I tell you this idea? I was like, Ricky, tell me the idea. He was like, can I tell you the idea? It's a crazy idea. I was like, yeah, man. Uh, Cause you know, anything, anytime Ricky's got to say something, I got to listen to it. And, um, and so he was like, he was like, I think you should bring the trophy. And, you know, it wasn't like one of those things where, you know, he, when he was describing it, it wasn't like, you know, you rub it in, but it was one of those things where, yeah. Uh, you know, he was reading the comments. We're all reading the comments, saw what people were saying. He was like, uh, he was like, you know, go out there and defend your tough title. And, you know, I was like, I was like, Ricky, I love that idea. So I just kind of ran with it. You know what I'm saying? So I got to give Ricky his credit. You know what I'm saying? That was Ricky's idea. I don't know if I would have did it if Ricky wouldn't have suggested it. So one of the questions I had just because my mind was racing when I saw you holding the trophy after the win, and it doesn't really matter now because it's all hindsight. Had he won the fight, would you have given him the trophy? Of course. <laughs> You know, I, hey. <laughs> yes, in 2020, 100 <laughs> percent. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. The answer I hope for right there. I mean, that, I thought that whole thing was brilliant. Well done on your part. And, and kudos to Ricky Tercio. And your Ricky Tercio's impression is amazing because you the way you repeated yourself like a couple of different times. It's so funny. That's pretty spot on, man a lot of time with that man you know ricky's a cult leader you know what i'm saying he's got one of those personalities you know what i mean so where do we go from here i mean you got to heal up a little bit you get to move forward you're you're officially 2-0 in the ufc now you're trying to climb that ladder you don't really know yet because you don't know how long you're going to be out for healing up but perfect world when do you want to get back in there um perfect world uh about summertime i'd like to fight at least two more times this year um you know i think that's a that's a solid uh schedule where you know i can heal up you know train get better and then you know really lock in for a fight camp and get ready for somebody uh and you know just keep on you know because who knows what kind of person they're going to throw at me next you know what i'm saying and i have no idea what direction they're going to go but um yeah fighting fighting about two two more times this year i think that'd be good so about the summertime would be cool anybody stand out in particular or just whatever's clever let's go uh yeah you know it's i i don't i don't know if i if i'm at a place yet where i have enough clout to where i can you know really call people out um but uh you know there's a there's a couple people where i think it makes sense i think me and maximov i think me and him we would make a lot of sense uh i think that would be a fun fight um you know, uh, there's a couple guys who are coming off the contender series that were calling me out, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but really, you know, I'm not a picky guy, you know what I'm saying? You know, I, I didn't get into the fight business to pick and choose. I got into the fight game so I could beat up anybody. So, uh, you know, I'm just get back to training and, you know, get ready for whoever may come down the line next. I wanted to ask you about this because several months back I had Taylor Starling on the show, obviously one of the the rising stars for BKFC. And I remember it was probably like the day or two before I had her on, she posted this video of the two of you in one of those big tires, having yourself a good old fashioned sparring session. She talked about, you know, obviously how great of a, uh, of a training partner you are. And, 
but she also enjoys punching you in the face. So I, I'm curious from, from your perspective, what has it been like to, to kind of see her get some more notoriety in the combat sports world? And also I'm sure sparring with her can, can be a bit crazy at times. Oh man, no. Sparring with Taylor, it's, it's funny because Taylor's just crazy. You know what I'm saying? So it's always fun sparring with crazy people. So, um, and yeah, like the, <laughs> The fact that Taylor is like, uh, like a hundred and twenty plus pound woman, and you know she's like, yeah, let's let's go. You know what I'm saying? It just cracks me up. I love Taylor, but um, no, seeing her, uh, her come up, you know, it's been really uh, nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, she's had her rise almost at a similar time as me. So you know, there's times where we can like trade notes. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, well, what 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 do you do when, you know, you get these kind of DMs or, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, we're just talking about how we're, uh, dealing with things differently. So, you know, it's kind of nice to have someone, uh, who, you know, fully came up with you, you know what I'm saying? We both were, you know, unheralded when we met each other, you know what I'm saying? And a short while later, we're both, you know, uh, you know, she's about to fight for a title so you know she's doing a little better competitively but you know we're both making waves in our own separate promotions so you know it's, it's a lot of fun what's the uh what's the craziest dm you've gotten what's the one where you're just like what are you serious like someone really took the time to to send me this message man there's a lot of there's a lot of what like what is the threshold for like inappropriate stuff I can say on here? Like uh, there's one that really sticks out to me. Well, this is appropriate. This is the internet. So I think you're good. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you'll be all right. And if it's not, I'll just, I'll cut it out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it sounds all right. It sounds good. All right. So there was um, right before I fought in the tough finale, um, someone commented underneath one of the, uh, like the way in picture or something and they said hey and you know i'm, I'm paraphrasing i don't remember it verbatim this the gist of what they said they said hey you know good luck tonight maybe after you get the win you can meet me in the back of the locker room <laughs> it was a weekend uh yeah it was a duty it's like we can you know stick our fingers up each other's butts or something like it was just like so <laughs> random you know what i mean <laughs> it was like i'm just scrolling and I saw that, I was like, what? But, uh, yeah, I sent that uh, to my whole fight team. Uh, that's still, that's my favorite one to this day. That one cracked me up. I, I actually, like, stopped and laughed out loud when I read that one. It still makes me laugh. I, I blush when I tell the story, you know what I'm saying? Because it's so scandalous. So you want to be an ultimate fighter, right? I mean, geez, Louise, especially now in this, in this social media era, what a, what a crazy time we, 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 we reside in Brian, but I appreciate you, you coming on. Congratulations on the win again. I'm, I'm glad you're able to kind of put this whole thing behind you. You are the champion, the undisputed tough 29 middleweight champion and uh, great performance, man. Very happy for you. Uh, congratulations for everything, winning the show, all the success, the new baby, all that good stuff. And uh, hopefully we see you back there inside that octagon over the summertime. Appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, man. You have a good one. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.